Welcome back to Big Dudes in the Trenches podcast. I am Doug. Over there is Bug, and we are Tugless today. We are, but he'll be back, what, a couple weeks? Two weeks? Something like I that? I think this week and next week, and then he'll be back for sure. So we'll see what happens. I'm not entirely certain his work schedule, but, you know, football news is still is. happening. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, football news is still happening I, I remember I told you two days ago that it was probably going to be a short show and then today so much has happened today slapped you in the face and said right. nope forget that <laughs> which at the same time is good news because there's a lot of fun things happening in the world of football and we're going to talk about every little bit of it so I think we ought to go ahead and get started here um, actually though one more very important thing happened last week that we did not talk about on last week's show. <laughs> this it. on screen right now is Trumpet the Bloodhound. He is the first ever Bloodhound to win Best in Show at the Westminster Dog Show. That is incredible news. I'm very happy for Trumpet. How can you not be happy for that good boy? Look at him. Bloodhound can't smile. So ugly. He's so adorable. <laughs> he can't smile like Goldies and Labs, but he's happy. I know he's happy. So that's just another reason to watch us live instead of listening to the audio version. You get to see Trumpet on screen, <laughs> like the good boy that he is. Man, Bloodhounds are disgusting looking, and yet they're so <laughs> so great. All right, best in show, as a matter of fact. Yeah. So let's get it started with some NFL news. I think it's finally time. We do have to talk about Deshaun Watson in some detail. Um, no decision yet, of course, on a suspension, but the hearings have been happening. And originally it sounded way worse than what it's eventually been whittled down to. The 20 settlements helps a lot. There are only four ongoing cases now against Deshaun Watson. And that was really all the NFL could push against for suspension purposes. So what have you heard? What's the latest on a potential suspension for him? Well, I mean, this is this is something that's changed vastly uh, since the beginning of the week. I mean, even since yesterday, it's changed a lot. Um so, you know, good thing I had something come up yesterday and we, we're here on Thursday. Uh, but the NFL was looking for an indefinite dis- indefinite suspension on their own, and obviously the NFLPA was going to fight that. The <clears throat> belief was the NFL would fight for this indefinite exp- suspension, and it was probably going to be about a year. Um, and I, I saw a lot of people saying, oh, he already, you know, he didn't play last year. How are you going to suspend him again? Problem was he didn't play last year because he didn't want to play for the Houston Texans anymore. Right. So that's not that's not the Texans disciplining him. That's not the NFL disciplining him. That was Deshaun Watson on his own. Now, what I will say is the fact that it took the NFL an extra year and oh yeah, look, he might actually play now to levy out any punishment is kind of ridiculous. And granted, suspending a guy who already said he didn't want to play, like I get it. They're in a really bad position. And they brought in an arbiter. Uh, I think her last name is Robinson. I should have written that down. The point here is she has no experience dealing with uh, player discipline in any league, let alone the NFL. So it was a very interesting choice of arbiter 
for the NFL and NFLPA to agree on. Furthermore, uh, the NFL has come out and said if they if she gives a 68 game suspension, like we'll we'll accept that. Anything less, they're probably going to fight, and anything more. You know, I, it doesn't make sense. I think six to eight was kind of like their minimum. So eight, they'll definitely accept six. They'll probably accept. But if they're already That's a weird at, thing, that's a weird yeah, thing to come out and say. It, it, yeah. And it's that came out and I was just like, that makes no sense because you were wanting a year long. Right. You only go down to six to eight. So what happens if she says nine? Are you gonna be like, no, I think they're probably going to be OK with that. You know, right. But it's just weird that you would be like, we'll take we'll accept this range and not say it has to be at least this. There's a lot of people out there saying the NFL did this to cover their ass because they wanted to come out and say, we're going to suspend him indefinitely, blah, 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 blah. Oh, well, you know, this Arbor came out and said, uh, you know, only six to eight or, you know, whatever. So the NFL's in a bad spot. And once again, uh, I say this every time a player gets in trouble, Roger Goodell has fumbled this, screwed it up from the absolute beginning. And that is why we're in this situation right now. And for the Browns, it doesn't just stop with Deshaun Watson. So unless you have anything else to say on the Deshaun Watson situation, I think it's time to move on. Yeah, let's start uh, with the Browns here because there's – Baker Mayfield has come out and said that he doesn't even want to attempt to repair the relationship at this point. Mm -hmm. He's like – and from that perspective, I I totally understand where he's coming from. It's kind of – an awful thing the Browns did to Baker Mayfield here. He you won your first playoff game, technically your first playoff game ever with Baker Mayfield. And you're just not happy with him mm-hmm. for some reason. He gets hurt and you don't even trade him. You don't cut him. He's just stashed away on your roster for no reason. It's such a weird situation. It really feels like the Browns are about to have to start Jacoby Brissett. Man, and and the other thing about it too is, you know, the media is absolutely ruthless. They talked to Baker Mayfield at his kids' foot, you know, not his kids, but his, you know, the football camp that he puts on in Norman, Oklahoma. They're pulling him aside, asking about the Browns and all this. Like, uh, did you see that interview? I did not. Man, I don't. I don't want to say defeated. I don't think that's the right word. He was very professional, very calm about it. But you can tell he's like, man, this the situation we're in right now sucks. And that's essentially what it all comes down to is this is just a shitty situation all around. The Browns have done Browns things, and they're going to get what they deserve at the end of this because they ruined a relationship with, I don't want to say a great starting quarterback. I think that might be giving Baker Mayfield a little too much credit. But a very good starting quarterback that legitimately – I think he probably just needs another year or two in the same scheme. I mean, this guy's had how many offensive coordinators in his four years right. in the league? So, you know, getting hurt last year definitely affects that, but that's not all on him. Look at the offensive line. Look at, you know, his receivers. He lost. Granted, OBJ didn't do anything for him, and apparently that relationship was deteriorating quickly, so that's not helping anybody. But it's just, I mean, I I don't want to say he didn't get a fair shot in Cleveland because I think that's a little – too far the other way but i'm also not going to sit here and say that he didn't do enough to deserve to keep his job or at least be like hey uh we're looking to trade you because we're signing Deshaun Watson, and that's right that's ultimately where his disgruntlement comes from and have you seen the new hotness on a potential landing spot for baker mayfield 
It's been speculated for quite some time. The Seattle Seahawks. And yeah. I don't I, I will say this. This image very easily could have been Photoshop because you can't believe everything you see on the internet. But there are, are people claiming that NFL shop I've is heard already... that you could actually believe everything you see on the internet. Abraham Lincoln told me in an inspirational quote. It's oh, God. it's legit. <laughs> <laughs> but there are alleged leaks of NFL shop with Seahawks jerseys, the number six, and of course Mayfield across the back. So is there any legitimacy to this? I don't know. But this is picking up steam in a way that I haven't seen yet. So I figure it's at least I, worth talking about. It makes absolutely no sense to me why they would do this. NFL shop. Why? Why would you do that? It's very simple to whip that together if you need to. Mm-hmm. No reason to just go ahead and make 32 jerseys for every player. You know, it's like, <laughs> why? Why would they well, have I it mean, already? I guarantee you they're doing it on their, uh, they're just doing it in some computer program and it just shows it. And they didn't actually right. make any jerseys anywhere. Right. But, right. Know, we've all we've all been on Nike ID before. We know how this works. Been on that Vans custom site. <laughs> Whipping together some shoes. We know how it goes. So, speaking of customs, uh, this is quite the interesting little custom event going on. That was a bad transition. I couldn't think of anything. Um, <laughs> so, celebrity boxing has become quite the the talk of the town. It's the old um, new hotness. Yes, yes. Been around for a couple of years now, actually. It's... Uh, in like a big way. I mean, obviously in some form it's been around for a very long time, but as far as streaming pay-per-views, it's becoming pretty popular, I guess. <laughs> I don't know if popular is the right word, but they, it makes some money. Uh, Adrian Peterson and Le'Veon Bell are about to be in a boxing match is what I'm heading to here. Uh, this is insane, first of all. And second of all, both of them actually train boxing and have for quite some time this might be good it could be and i i think this is a fight that nobody's going to sit here and say oh it's fixed like when the paul brothers fight because right that's pretty clearly anyway i you know I, I think it might bring some legitimacy back to celebrity boxing and i mean who doesn't love it right i mean barstool's been doing their own celebrity boxing shows for a few years and people eat that shit up so anybody right. anytime you get to see celebrities fight each other and let's not forget celebrity deathmatch was one of the most popular shows on mtv way back when way better than these guys going to the wwe and getting more scripted wins so you know <laughs> it's wow this could actually be really actually a decent event i know Le'Veon bell has some videos up of him shadow boxing from like a few years ago. Like these guys have been doing this for a while. So it's, I don't know that they've been doing it well for a while, but it at least, <laughs> at least better than the guys who pick it up two months out. And yeah, why not? <laughs> I would put my money on Adrian Peterson all day long. I would as well, but you know, anything's possible. <laughs> Uh, DeMario Davis is getting a new contract extension here. One year added on to his deal with the Saints. It's $12 million 
that feels Jeez. like a lot of money for yeah. a mediocre linebacker. That's kind of what I was saying. I was like, man, that is <laughs> that's not a not a cheap amount of money there. That's that's some commitment. Yeah. Uh, the other big contract that just came out, I would say, is worth it though. Uh, Terry McLaurin is now getting top five receiver money, a three-year, $71 million extension. It's the biggest signing bonus ever for a wide receiver at $28 million. This is a lot of money. I I got – I went on Twitter and was talking about this a little bit with some folks, and uh, it's impressive that everybody is able to recognize the talent here considering he has not had a consistent quarterback throwing him the right. ball during his high, entire career. And, you know, no pun intended here, but it's scary to think about what's going to happen when they get a consistent ball passer or ball thrower, whatever. You know what I mean? Get a consistent handler. quarterback back there. I Look, we've been saying the, the commanders – almost fucked that one up. We've been saying the commanders have been a team that's been coming up out of the acid, ashes from the dumpster fire that they were just two and out years of the ago. asses that are in Dan Snyder's inbox, you know that too. So, man, they—I <laughs> I hate saying a team's a quarterback away. They really might be a quarterback away at this point. But they got Carson Wentz, don't you know? He's they might be a so great. Away. <laughs> yes, um, <laughs> it's actually going to be Carson Wentz's best set of weapons, I think, ever. And we go back to days in Philadelphia. Who do you really have other than Zach Ertz? Mm-hmm. I can't name a receiver on those teams. If you go to Indianapolis, okay. really hand the ball off. there were some players on the field with him. I can't name any of them other than the offensive lineman and the running back. So that's that's a problem. And then Terry McLaurin, Curtis Samuel hasn't been consistent in the NFL, but he's always shown flashes of some crazy athleticism. They get another first-round receiver in Jahan Dotson. This is going to be definitively his best set of receiving threats that he's ever had in the NFL. So it should be interesting to see what he's able to do, but you're probably right. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I got to pimp the guy coming out of the out of the backfield here too, Antonio Gibson. Get the ball to him in open space and look out, man. That's uh, I had to do it. I had to do it. I know, Homer. <laughs> All right. So speaking of college homers, let's go to college news. Um, I think we ought to start with the small stuff and work our way up. How's that? Yeah, because we don't want to bury the lead here. I mean, everybody <laughs> knows the big story, but. Yeah, we kind of put we kind of saved the best for last on this show, so bear with us here. Yeah, um, small stuff. We'll get out of the way quickly. Um, Mike Leach got an extension. Congratulations. He's still at Mississippi State. Nice. Hopefully, his special teams coach teaches them how to kill a play on a punt. <laughs> uh, UAB's head coach Bill Clark just resigned, basically out of nowhere, surprising everyone, including the school. Uh, it was for health reasons, though. Apparently, some conversations with a couple of doctors, and he's like, I don't think I can keep doing this. So, that sucks. Hopefully, he's all right. Uh, technically, he's going to stay on through the end of July. Uh, we'll 
will officially resign on August 1, and the offensive coordinator, Bryant Vincent, will take over as head coach of UAB. Bill Clark has done a fantastic job, basically brought this program back from nothing. So, I mean, sad to see him go. He he literally did bring it back from nothing. It had been canceled, right? So, it sucks. Um, I don't know that this hurts UAB this season. I'm concerned about the next couple of years. So, yeah. Bill Clark was able to get some good guys in there and help build this program back from literally nothing. I hope Bryant Vincent is able to do the same uh, because UAB is an underrated classic program in college football. Now on to the conference news. Not the big one just yet. Uh, ACC is going to drop their division structure. Basically what everybody's doing right now saying, yeah, divisions, forget about them. We're going to go to some kind of a hybrid schedule here. The ACC has actually announced they're going to a 3-5-5, which means it'll be eight conference games a year, three protected games that happen every season. You rotate the other five schools every other year. It actually makes for a more complete conference schedule, right? In the division structure, it's very possible to never see another school. I mean, the example right now is that florida hasn't played texas a&m but like once i so, can't remember the because of uconn leaving and the conference you know doing this with the american i can't mm-hmm. remember the last time memphis played ecu i think they've maybe played once since the american was formed maybe twice so something like a three five five actually makes a lot of sense if you want to keep the integrity of your conference as a whole and it looks like most conferences are going to something similar to that. Obviously, a three-five-five exactly only works if you have exactly eight games to a conference schedule, and you have exactly that many teams. So it's not going to be possible for the SEC and one other conference that we'll get to in a second. But first, let's talk about the Big 12, because they had, had they just hired a new commissioner officially, uh, if you'll recall, their old commissioner retired a couple of months ago now, was actually waiting for the end of the NCAA tournament. And the Big 12 just hired Brett Yormark as the next commissioner. He's actually the former, now former COO of Rock Nation, which is Jay-Z's everything brand. It's a sports agency, media agency, record label. They do clothing. They do all sorts of things. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so that's fascinating. It doesn't seem like a very logical transition. He was also formerly the CEO of Barclays Sports and Entertainment. Again, how do you go from that to being the commissioner of a Power 5 conference? Not exactly sure. But the Pac-12 basically did the same thing, right? So Pac-12 brought in MGM's president of sports entertainment. They might be regretting that decision right now. Yeah. (laughs) Let's let's dig up the lead here. Okay. USC been sufficiently buried. Yeah. (laughs) If you if you live under a rock, or we're looking at ESPN around New Central, you know, today, where they were talking about Brett Heupel in Tennessee for some fucking reason. Uh, USC and UCLA want to leave the Pac-12 and join the Big Ten as early as 2023. That is insane. 
Well, their their grant of rights is up after the 2023 season is over. So it would be the summer of 2024 heading into the 2024 season. They would actually be able to join. Um, Wow. Wow. I've been trying to wrap my brain around this all day. (laughs) I really have. Um, Yeah, I kind of didn't believe it was real when I saw the notification. Like, I've heard this as a speculated fan rumor for a while. You think about other members of the AAU, the Academic Association, that all the Big Ten members are a part of. You think of brands that are actually big enough to compete with other Big Ten schools. You think of media markets that would actually make sense to add to the Big Ten network footprint. LA is really the only one that makes any kind of sense. And even then, it's like, that's a five-hour flight for your Olympic sports. Do you really want to do that? Mm-hmm. Apparently, they do. It's <laughs> Apparently, they do. That, that new media contract coming is too enticing, apparently. I, I kind of understand it, I got to say. I still am just stunned. Like, I... I... I've been trying ever since I saw the news. I was like, "We're gonna have to talk about this." I still don't know what to say. It is <laughs> right. shocking to say the absolute very, very least here. Like this, I don't know. I you can say people have been talking about it and speculating, but I don't think anybody actually thought it would ever come to some sort I certainly of fruition didn't. here. I certainly did not. Uh, apparently, USC was the one who wanted this to happen more than anybody, <clears throat> and the next steps are considered by inside sources to be a mere formality at this point. Uh, They need to formally tell the Pac-12 they are planning to leave after their contract is expired, and they need to apply to the Big Ten Conference. If anyone votes no, they are one of the dumbest executives in the entire country. So... They're going to get in. Um, (laughs) I have seen one other Pac-12. I don't know if it was a president or an athletic director. Literally said, we just got sooner than horned. This is, it's the same situation. And it's going to result in the same situation. You now have a 16-team conference with two more of the biggest brands in the country. I don't know where this is heading towards. Certainly feels like everything is eventually sliding towards a two super conference system. That's kind of disturbing. What I, what I'm having a hard time with here is we just talked about how the three, five, five schedule for conferences that have eight conference games, blah, 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 blah you get these 16 or bigger team conferences, how in the hell are like, they right. might as well be their own conference again, because how are they going to play each other all the time? I, right. I don't know. So I've had, I don't remember where I saw this and I think I've added my own theorizing to it at some point, something like uh, you get essentially end up with 20 teams is the super conference model. 
and you do basically just divide them in half. You have two conference, two divisions inside of your conference, and they don't really play each other all that much until like the end of the year. And then your one versus one plays your championship, your two versus two play, your three versus three plays like the last week of the season. And it's why, <laughs> how does that make sense? I don't know. Um, You're just all listening to the same daddy at the end of the day. That's all there is right, to it. Right. I don't understand how super conferences are really going to work. It does feel like it would need to be two different conferences. It also feels like this could be a way to break away from the NCAA. Which and I, to break away from the current CFP structure. I hope that that is the direction they're going legitimately. I think the NCAA has outlived it's usefulness. I mean, I just watched We Were We Are Marshall the other day. I saw it on Netflix. I was like, I haven't seen this in a while. And I forgot that the NCAA used to mandate that freshmen were not allowed to play on the football team. Right. And they had to submit, you know, anybody that's not familiar with the story, they had to submit a waiver and beg and plead the NCAA to allow them to have fresh let freshmen play so they could even field a team. Like I don't I don't understand why it's so hard to figure out why a team a school that just lost his entire football team would want to let freshmen play. What are you protecting at that point? Right. And, you know, we've seen it with NIL here. We I've talked about how they fumbled and mishandled transfers before the transfer portal was a thing. I, I mean, it's. And even now that the transfer portal is a thing, they're still not doing it very well. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I, I like to be critical of Roger Goodell. Everybody does. He's the commissioner of the NFL. He has no friends, lonely at the top, right? Right. The NCAA is worse. And we really, we really don't spend enough time talking about that. And it's, again, because it's almost uh, here. Because it's a faceless enemy. Yeah. It's harder to, it's harder to talk about it in a lot of ways. But you're absolutely right. It, most of the decisions they make are absolutely worse. And, I, I would say if the plan is to break away, it probably won't happen for quite some time. I would say probably another decade because the ACC is so entrenched and there's no room for the ACC to expand, right? The Big mm-hmm. Ten has, since the 1990s, had this big broad theory that possibly one day we can get to big 10 football coast to coast. Well, Jim Delaney made it happen with getting the Atlantic side, right? Brought the big 10 into the New York and DC markets. Now we're in the LA market, right? That is coast to coast, big 10 football. The ACC is the Atlantic coast conference. There's nowhere to go. What else are they going to add? the SEC and the Big Ten are scooping up everything west of them. So, and even some of the ACC members, they're scooping those guys up too. So it only makes sense that you would have basically a North and a South. You have the Big Ten and you have the SEC. Okay. All the brands go to those two conferences and separate from the rest of college football. That's the only way it actually works in my mind right now. To have that happen, you would need the big brands from the ACC 
to come with you because how are you really going to leave Florida State behind? How are you really going to leave Miami behind? How are you really going to leave Notre Dame behind? And they're technically an ACC school too, right? I can understand leaving Louisville on the table. They're not going to join the Big Ten or SEC. I can't comprehend leaving Clemson in the dust while the Big Ten and SEC go off and do their own thing, Mm -hmm. right? So same with the rest of the big-name West Coast schools. What's going to happen with Oregon and Washington? Is there something else that could happen with Colorado and Utah? I have no idea what's on the table anymore. This is... This has opened a lot of doors that I didn't think were possible just like yesterday or this morning. So <laughs> it's a lot of uncharted territory here. Well, for one, I never thought UCLA could leave Cal University of California and the University of California at Los Angeles are now going to be in two different conferences. That's in the same university system. <laughs> what? I mean, I'm, I'm, I am excited to play USC as a conference game just because I want to beat them so badly. They deserve it after what happened in the 2000s. <laughs> <laughs> and Ryan Day versus Lincoln Riley. That's pretty cool. I mean, we cool. got Bob Stoops versus uh, Urban Meyer not too long ago. Right. Ready to get this, reignite this rivalry. Granted, it will be Oklahoma, I guess, but, you know. Right. <laughs> the Oklahoma ties, right? I wonder if this helps football more or if this helps basketball more. Um, I think it helps baseball more. But definitely helps baseball the most out of anything. <laughs> so actually, the Big Ten hasn't won a baseball title since 1966. Mm-hmm. And UCLA has won like 11 in that time. <laughs> I mean, the first one of the first kids to make the bigs from Illinois in 60, you know, not that long, but to make an impact in the majors place for the Pirates now. And it's just like... You just can't compete. And even in right. football, you know, it's tough to go out there and practice everything all the time when it's cold, when it's, you know, unplayable. But you can go play right. baseball year-round outside in California. Basketball, I think – basketball, I think, is going to be kind of a wash because the bat, the Big Ten kind of been – They've been decent, that. but they haven't won the NCAA tournament since 2000. Right, and the ACC has been kind of running away with that. The SEC has been making a push back into basketball. I don't think right. the Pac-12 has won any, though. I will say this definitely helps soccer as well, if anybody cares about that on the, that listens to the show. I don't, but, you know, it helps soccer, tell you that. Um, yeah, Big Ten only has one softball national title as well, and that was in 2005. So baseball softball will be helped tremendously but again how are they really going to be able to travel i guess they're going to have to live off that media money football money (laughs) so much for title nine just (laughs) take Uh away football money and spread it around 
And William, <laughs> you did not. We will uh, we'll speed it up a little bit here. We got a little bit of non-NFL pro news to cover, and then we will get right into that Sunbelt preview. So just stand by yeah. for one minute. Nothing, nothing too big here, but we do like to talk about the spring leagues. DSFL, man, we're, we're, we're at the end. We talked about it when this league came Thank up. Thank goodness. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's, that's the feeling now. We talked about when this league came up. A game at Hall of Fame Stadium the day before America's birthday, so Sunday, July 3rd at 7.30 on Fox. The Birmingham Stallions are a four-and-a-half-point favorite against the Philadelphia Stars. The Stars beat the Generals 19-14 to this past week, and the Stallions stomped the Breakers 31-17. to Those games also took place – at the Hall of Fame Stadium out there in Canton, Ohio. I am going to do everything I possibly can to actually watch the championship game. We'll see how it plays out. I am (laughs) not going to do everything I can to watch this game. (laughs) If it were Generals, Stallions, I would consider it. But the Generals got whooped, even though they won basically every award last week. Coach of the Year, MVP, Offensive Player of the Year. All went to the generals and they couldn't pull it out. So USFL's dead to me. <laughs> What's not dead though is the FCF. You thought we were done talking about him. You thought we were done gloating about the Zaffers winning and our our little slice of the pie there. Well, if you want a slice of the pie for another FCF team, go check it out. It looks like ownership spots are open for all the teams. Kind of regret saying that because should have been stars are already down. To about Ooh. 20 left. I just looked a couple minutes ago. And uh, $150 minimum to get your piece of the pie and become a team owner of an FCF football team. I don't think there's any uh, uh, NFTs involved if you go with one of the OG teams. I don't know if they're minting any more OG, uh, NFTs for the new, the new group out there. So if you want a piece of the pie with an OG team, go check it out. 150 minimum. I'm sure if should have been stars are involved in this, everybody else is probably doing the same. Right. You used that too. I know you were like one of the top half a percent of fans on FCF this year. Mm -hmm. It's pretty cool. That's pretty legit. I love it. Absolutely love it. (laughs) So I guess it is time for our Sunbelt preview in keeping with the tradition of our conference previews so far we'll get into a little bit of the schools then we'll get into coaching changes the draft recruiting all that good stuff so let's go ahead and start off talking about what the schools actually are because the the sun belt looks a lot different than it did this time last year Uh, the east now has seven teams not just your appalachian state coastal carolina Georgia Southern, Georgia State. You also have James Madison coming up from the FCS to be a part of the Sun Belt this year. Marshall is in the Sun Belt, and Old Dominion is in the Sun Belt East. That is seven teams. That means there's seven teams in the West. It's a 14-team conference. It's just as big as the ACC, Big Ten, SEC, ACC, all right now. I mean... (laughs) I don't even know which conference I said at first. I'm just excited. Sunbelt's huge now. The, the West only we have. Thing I'm okay, disappointed about is that James Madison got thrown in the East. I think the three how and a half would wins, they how would they possibly get thrown in the West? They're you in know, Virginia. I don't know. 
I don't know either. At the same I, time, Missouri is in the SEC East, so there you go. Fair enough. So I I don't <laughs> think the three and a half wins that ESPN is projecting for them is accurate. However, I could see it happening uh, because they are absolutely in the uh, harder half of this conference this year. Yeah, definitely. You know they they go from being CAA co-champs and making it all the way to the FCS semifinal. Um, I would be happy if they made a bowl game this year. They are ineligible for a bowl game this year. You are uh, not allowed to go to a bowl game in your first year in well, let's the just FBS. Give them the six wins. That's yeah. That sounds good. Sounds like a good plan. <laughs> Definitely want more than a three and a half. ESPN's given them. Yeah. Uh, so you say the East is the harder division, and I would definitely agree with you. But at the same time, the champion last year was out of the West. Uh, the West has Arkansas State, Louisiana Monroe, South Alabama, Southern Miss is a new addition, Texas State, Troy, and the conference champion, Louisiana Raging Cajuns. They lost their head coach because of it. <laughs> which, like it is. Uh, is Billy Napier has been making this program into one of the Sunbelt powerhouses over the past couple of years. And because of that, has taken over the Florida Gators. Pretty big promotion for him. Happy for the guy. He's been a group of five powerhouse down there in, uh, in Louisiana. And it's, man, I'll just say it. It sucks to see. I, because I, I don't have confidence in any of the teams from the West. I only have a little bit of confidence in Louisiana because they have the pedigree, because they've been there, because they've done it. Right. And obviously they got a local guy to coach the team. I'm not even going to try and pronounce. The it was an internal internal promotion. Uh, I really don't know how to pronounce it either. So I just call him Michael DeJormo. It sounds close enough. Now I want pizza. Yes. <laughs> it's not delivery. It's Michael DeJormo. <laughs> uh, so they are projected to win eight games, according to ESPN, which is tied, in theory, for best in the conference with two teams out of the East, Appalachian State and Marshall. Actually have slightly higher win totals if you throw the decimals on there. I'm curious um, how Marshall is going to stack up their first year. In the yeah, you're right, right. They have second-year head coach, Charles Huff, which was a fascinating hire to me. Former associate head coach and running backs coach at Alabama. It seemed to me like they were hiring him because of his recruiting ability. And then out of nowhere, they go 7-6 and six last year. Actually looked like a decent team. I didn't think they had the talent to go 7-6. and six. So if he can put together something decent this year, Probably a better established quarterback situation, right? At least we understand what is there. This might be a pretty good season for Marshall. At the same time, they're in the same division as Appalachian State and Coastal Carolina. There you go. <laughs> I mean, this is going to be that's going to be a brutal East division. Um, but let's talk about the other coaching changes we talked about. Michael DeJormo. Southern, uh, Georgia Southern, that is, has hired Clay Helton. That happened a couple of weeks into last season. Chad Lunsford was not working out. And he is now the tight ends coach at Florida Atlantic. So clearly not ready for prime time. But Clay Helton coming over, 
again, a midseason firing uh, was never accepted by the fans at USC. I think he was in a bad situation there, but also he wasn't equipped to dig himself out of it. Georgia Southern feels like a better situation for him. And it's a little bit more of a return to home. He's from that area instead of being from Southern California. So Clay Helton to Georgia Southern could work out pretty well. I don't think they're going to win a whole lot of games this year. But I'll, could I'll tell you out. this much, too. The other team with a new coach, Troy, getting John Summerall, former defensive coordinator of Kentucky. That one's kind of tough to read, though. Right. Because <clears throat> Troy, frankly, is tough to read. Yeah. They they are a team that will Very. surprise you when you least expect it, as most surprises happen. And uh, Kentucky, very much the same way, especially on the defensive side of the ball. So what are you really going to get from Troy this year? I have no idea, but I do believe you're going to get a pretty good defense, at least on that defensive line. It's probably the best in the conference. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, we look at hot seats this year. It's not very obvious who would be a good candidate for that. I would say based off record, the only guy who makes sense to be considered a hot seat would be Texas State's Jake Spavital. Spavital, I've heard it pronounced a couple of different ways, and I'm confused. But Jake S. is entering his fourth season at Texas State. Um, weird situation. His brother is the defensive coordinator, and he's both head coach and offensive coordinator. Yeah. Uh, um, that's starting to, starting to explain <laughs> some issues. I've said it several times about Texas State. Four wins last year is about three less than they should have had. They should have right. been bowl eligible last year. They should have been bowl eligible the year before. I would even argue his second season they should have been bowl eligible. It's a team that is perpetually underperforming. Man, they're they're in too many games to be this bad. I I, I, I there's nothing really else to say here. Yeah, he's nine and twenty seven overall, which begs the question: When are you going to start winning some games? And you know we've All both pointed out it's they they have some talent. It's not like this is a bad roster. At some point, you have to blame the coaching. We'll see what mm-hmm. happens here. Uh, Texas State looking to improve, and they're in the division to do so. So we'll see what happens. Um, let's jump to the NFL draft, where we saw one, two, three, four, five, six players go out of the Sun Belt. Uh, none higher than the third round, but in the third round, we did see Jalen Tolbert get selected. Big-time wide receiver. This was a huge receiver class. I thought he could have gone in the second round, but at the same time, there were like 800 receivers going in the first and second round. Mm-hmm. Fair enough, going to third. <laughs> uh, Max Mitchell, I thought, was a steal in the fourth round, and I'm not alone in that. I've seen some people saying the Jets got themselves a starter in the fourth round, which is like a day one starter. That's kind of unheard of. My favorite player coming out of this year's draft from the Sun Belt, though, a toss-up between Isaiah Likely and DeMarco Jackson. I was I, I was like them both. Isaiah Likely, honestly. Yeah. Getting to play yeah. behind Mark Andrews and even Nick Boyle's no slump, you know, no schlub. Right. So he's going to be in a good tight end room. He's going to be fighting for a spot, but I think he will probably find himself on that 40 man or 50, 
54 man roster. You're, th- you're thinking baseball. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it is MLB season. Uh, not too much going on with the undrafted guys. I guess we didn't mention Jeffrey Gunter or Percy Butler by name. Congratulations to those guys getting drafted. Uh, but not a whole lot coming out of undrafted that's like stands out. Uh, I I haven't heard of most of these guys, to be honest with you. <laughs> I, you know, and technically, I, I know we have Southern Miss guys listed here. They weren't even in the Sun Belt last year. They kind of don't count. I was I was going to bring that up too because on top of that we also have Mike Green, a defensive tackle right. out of James Madison. I I don't want to say if he had been playing in the Sun Belt last year there would have been a different result, but it does make you wonder: Will this move help James Madison players get to the next level? You'd have to hope so. I don't know. We can do much more than hope right now. We'll see what they're able to do. It's very difficult to recruit when you are just coming up to the FBS level Mm -hmm. as James Madison certainly witnessed Uh, 214th ranked class in the nation 214th out of 131 so that's that's really bad (laughs) Uh, technically had four commits that 24-7 recognizes total absolutely zero stars that's rough and that's going to make it very difficult to compete uh, at the at the FBS level. At the same time, nobody does an amazing job at recruiting in the Sun Belt, right? Um, again, I go back to that's probably why Marshall brought in Charles Huff. He's proven himself to be a pretty great recruiter down in Alabama, and Marshall does have the best recruiting class, technically, of the Sun Belt now. 25 total commits. They're all three-star players. That's kind of incredible that is where a tradition and a warner brothers movie will get you right um i did not watch it knowing that we were talking about the sun belt this week i literally just saw it but you look at all the tradition that's built up around there i can't think of anything at least not on a grand you know grandiose famous scale the same way marshall has their traditions for any of these other schools i mean appalachian state and Coastal Carolina were FBS programs five years ago. Right. And then you've got Marshall, who is one of the more historic programs in college football. So I don't know. I, I don't – I'm going to double-check because it's been a minute since I wrote these. I don't have Marshall winning the conference. I don't have them in the conference championship. But I, I also wouldn't be surprised if that ended up happening. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's certainly possible. I think we've already kind of talked about it, that East is going to come down to probably three teams. And whoever comes out of that bloodbath, congratulations to you. I mean, yeah, (laughs) it's going to be kind of a tough conference this year. I don't know what else to say with recruiting, really. I guess there was one four-star committed to a Sunbelt team. All the way down, Georgia Southern brought in somebody. So I guess Clay Helton's already putting in some work. It's impressive. Uh, yeah. You know, 22 recruits, uh, 10 starred players, one being the four-star that we talked about already. That's surprising to me. But That's a lot better than Georgia Southern usually does, I'll tell you that. Yeah, yeah. And we've <laughs> even we joked about we confuse Georgia Southern and Georgia State a lot because right. 
there's not a lot that's inspirational about them, unfortunately. And again, this goes back to why I was saying I wish James Madison had been put in the West. I know it doesn't make sense. I wish even if, you know, Mar- one of these teams, James Madison or Marshall, go put them in the West, make the whole conference more exciting. Man, it's just – it's going to be interesting. I'm, I'm excited for the season of Sunbelt football, that's for sure. I'm going to be completely honest with you for a second. We were talking about them, and I was really trying my hardest to figure out who Georgia Southern's mascot is. They are the Eagles, I believe, but I – I can't tell you any more than that. Georgia State's the Bulldogs. I'm pretty sure Georgia State's Panthers. Georgia Bulldogs, Georgia State Panthers. Is it a Panther? I can see I'm, I see the logo in my mind. I'm right pretty now. confident. That's how much we get Georgia State and Georgia Southern confused. We have no idea who they even are. <laughs> Let's be real. Uh, Converse has not come through those two schools ever. So it is a Panther. I, is a I'm Panther. much more confident that South Alabama is the Jaguars. So <laughs> if that ought to tell you something, if I know who South Alabama is, geez. Um, let's go ahead and talk about some transfers. Uh, yeah, I mean, again, with the group of five. About... Okay, sorry. You're going to say it. You're, you were already saying it. With a group of five schools, uh, they kind of live or die off the transfers, right? Recruiting. It's very hard to recruit. You have some schools here. Troy, Louisiana Monroe only brought in eight high school players. You can't make a team off of bringing in eight guys a year, right? Where else can you bring them in? Walk-ons, transfers. Transfers are the big one. You bring in some third-string guy out of a Power 5 school. Somebody thought they were good at one point, right? Try to make something out of them. Do the best you can with those guys. It happens a lot now, especially with the transfer portal. It happened a lot before, but even more so now, and even more visibly now with that transfer portal. Everybody's seeing all these guys, and it's kind of crazy. A lot of guys end up going together, which is fun. I like that a lot. (laughs) I think what's crazier to me is that Brady McBride is now on his third school, and this time he stayed in conference. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> I don't even know what to say to that. It's just we I hope we he sticks finally. <laughs> transfer portal, man. It's that portal is something else. <laughs> Teams aren't allowed to tell you you can't put your name in. I guess. <laughs> what else we got? Uh, incoming transfers. It's nobody you're really going to recognize, right? There's a lot of going to be high-impact players, but, I mean, five guys coming from Mississippi State to Southern Miss. Obviously, they wanted to try their hand at the in-state powerhouse school, didn't make it, let's go to the in-state group of five school, right? That's kind of thing is happening a lot here in the Sun Belt. Uh, South Alabama wasn't really pulling guys in from Alabama, but they're getting guys in from Ole Miss and Auburn and Indiana. So <laughs> the rest of the SEC. Right. Right. I mean, that's that's the kind of thing happening here. It's a lot of power five backups coming in, finding a way to get on the field, which I respect quite a bit. Outgoing transfers is kind of fascinating because there are a lot of players right now leaving group of five schools as soon as they have a good season 
and trying their hand at a power five school, trying to raise their draft stock. And with Billy Napier leaving Louisiana, he's bringing a couple of guys with him. That's pretty fascinating to me too, especially the offensive lineman and then his running back Montrell Johnson, all coming to the Florida Gators might be a little bit of a different look team this year in Florida. And I, I will say this, everything negative we've said about the transfer portal does not apply here because right. it has been unfair for years that players would get recruited by Billy Napier. And then when he right. leaves, they're stuck with a coach that didn't recruit him, didn't want him, and maybe doesn't have a place for them in their scheme. Right now, these guys are going to get to prove he was right picking me and all these other schools that didn't were wrong. Oh, and by the way, I'm now going to do it at one of the schools that didn't pick me. Right. And actually, Osiris Torrance ought to be one of the best offensive linemen in the SEC anyway. And he's one of those transfers from Louisiana. Uh, James Madison's getting a couple of guys going to Power 5 schools already. I mean, that's kind of crazy. Think about that. Playing the FCS semifinal one year, playing at Texas the next year. Uh, (laughs) Happening for one of their linebackers. Wild. Uh, A whole bunch of Arkansas State players leaving. That whole Bush Jones situation. (laughs) I don't blame him. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, Not too many players leaving out of the Georgia State or Georgia Southern, though. Wonder wonder why. Maybe it's because they're not good. (laughs) Uh, Grant Wells is transferring again. Uh, another quarterback who transfers all the time. Uh, he's leaving Marshall for Virginia Tech this time, though. That's kind of cool. Um, I remember Grant Wells and thinking he was, like, decent when I saw him play at Marshall. I don't know how he's going to do at Virginia Tech. I don't I don't believe in him, really. So he's putting some faith in himself, and I hope it works out for him at Virginia Tech. That's kind of a big step up, though, from Marshall. Um, and Nicario Harper, safety, leaving Southern Miss for Louisville. Louisville was very hyped to get him, and for good reason. Nicario Harper's a pretty great safety. Um, but, again, not a lot of names you're going to recognize unless you're a Sunbelt fan because – these guys are still trying to prove themselves. There's a reason they're transferring. They want to get to a place where they can actually become a household name. But there are some household names already playing in the Sun Belt. And let's highlight a few of them. You want to go through some of these players to watch on the offensive side of the ball? Man, I think off the top, the first one you have to look at, Appalachian State is Camer Peoples. Right, This team was very heavy on smacking you in the mouth and running the ball down your throat. And, of course, Cameron Peoples was the guy behind it. I love that he stayed. You know, everybody else right. is leaving. He's staying true to Appalachian State. Man, it, it's tough to not want to pick them as my uh, East Division <laughs> champion, but, you know, not tipping anything here. They're not. Um, so... With a guy like well, you've already said back. you haven't picked Marshall either, so I know who it is. <laughs> With a guy like people's coming back, though, it was very hard to not want to lean more into the Appalachian yeah. State pick. I gotta say, my favorite player in the entire conference right now is probably Grayson McCall, 
and a lot of it comes down to his Instagram post announcing he was staying. The dude, dude I love it. pisses teal. <laughs> Did he start that fucking trend of the I'm staying announcement? Yes. I love him. He's I love every second of it. He's like the reason behind the mullet. And he's... Mullet he versus brought this, baby. That was, that was so amazing. I love everything about Grayson McCall. Uh, except for his deep ball and his accuracy. But, you know, this... <laughs> <laughs> everything else, though. As far as college football players, Grayson McCall is about everything you could ask for. And he is he makes Coastal Carolina so much fun to watch. I did want to talk about Chris Thornton, a receiver for James Madison. Most people will probably have never heard of that name before. But Chris Thornton is actually pretty dang good. And I believe he's going to be first or second team all-conference in the preseason all-conference teams like Chris Thornton's actually really good and probably one of the best receivers in the conference even though he's just now coming up to the FBS level it's absolutely insane and DBs at the FCS level had a hard time covering him for a reason right he's going to make an impact for James Madison expect him to get the ball a lot especially in games that they win this year I do have to shout out Frank Gore Jr. simply because he is Frank Gore Jr. He's playing at Southern Miss. He's decent. He's not bad. It's always fun. I'm still disappointed we get, didn't get to see father son running back room in the NFL, but some <laughs> things just aren't meant to be. Well, he needs to, once his Southern Miss career is over, start boxing, and then we get father versus son in the ring. <laughs> Put it right in my veins. Uh, we did lose Isaiah Likely, and that kind of leaves a big hole as far as the best tight end in the conference. That was – you could have taken that several directions. Uh, Old Dominion. <laughs> Old Dominion has a great tight end, though. Zach Koontz. Uh, wow, that's not at all how I would have pronounced that. We're gonna move on. That was that's that's too questionable. <laughs> He's a really good player, but man, you gotta change your name, dude. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh man. He played tight end too. I mean, come on. Um defensive side of the ball. Let's go there. <laughs> um the Jordan Strong corner for Coastal Carolina. Probably the best defensive back in this entire conference right now. I like Artarian Johnson out of Old Dominion, though, too. Um, I would put it up between those two guys. I don't know if you have an opinion on that necessarily. The best defensive back in the conference. I will say this. We already tipped that uh, we think Troy's going to have the best defensive line in the conference. So, of course, yeah, are two defensive players to watch. Javon yeah, defensive Solomon, tackle, defensive end. And Will Cholo? It sounds racist, but it's correct. Is, that's really how you pronounce it? I believe so. Yeah. Nailed it. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, Troy should have the best defensive line in the conference without question. Like, 
I'm prepared think, to say they will have the best defensive line in the conference. Think Georgia's defensive line last year, except at a group of five level. Yeah, so 12 notches worse, but still 12 notches better than everybody else in their conference. So it's pretty good. <laughs> um, there, there's some wild names on here too, like Abraham Bowplan. All name team. What Bowplan really? Zion Thompson. Hill Thomas. Yeah, Wykevius Thomas. Yeah, Wykevius. What a great name, Wykevius. Uh, Chris Chukwuneki. Do we got a lot of all name team candidates on defense? Yeah, and Louisiana, <laughs> of course, has given us the E A U X. So. Pedestrian. I'm not even gonna try. Pedestrian. That's uh, that's wild. Yeah, there's some some players in the Sun Belt. They do exist. <laughs> if you if you want to make an all name team, start with defensive players in the Sun Belt. That's all. I'm start with defensive players in the state of Louisiana. You'll be set for a little while. Also that. <laughs> uh, so we've talked about it quite a bit. I think it's time to go ahead and give our predictions for this big old conference now. 14-team mega conference the Sun Belt's turning itself into. The Fun Belt, um, baby. I think you ought to start us off. Who do you think is going to win the East? Who's going to win the West? And then we'll get to our champion picks after we both announce our division winners. How's that? So that's fine with me. My problem is I can't think of anybody I want to definitively point at and say I picked them for the West. I've got it down to about three teams. One, I don't feel confident at all. That's Arkansas State. I think they have the talent. I do not trust Butch Jones. And all Fair. the departures kind of make me question my, my talent statement. Then I'm looking at Troy, but I don't know if they have it on offense. Right. Then you go over to the defending conference champions, Louisiana. Not only do they have a coaching change, but they did lose a lot of big pieces to that offense. Ultimately, I don't know who to pick there. So, Louisiana repeats, at least in the West, maybe? <laughs> I mean, that's not a terrible pick. It's, it's probably the most realistic, honestly. It's, it's tough, and you know, I I want to go Arkansas State so bad because they are a good team. They, yeah, I I have no those players. Idea. It seems like those players deserve it, but yeah, I have no that's... earthly idea how Butch Jones got another job in college football. I really don't. Yeah, uh, but my Eastern team. I already said it wasn't App State. I already said it wasn't Marshall's because I'm going with the Mullets. I'm going with Coastal Carolina, and. uh yeah, whoever Coastal Carolina plays, I go ahead with your picks. I think for the West, the same with the East. I think the West is really going to come down to three teams, but I have three. I have a different third team. Um, I don't think it's going to be Arkansas State up there. Butch Jones ruins it for me. Don't blame me. I think I think your third team is probably South Alabama. 
and then you have Troy, Louisiana, right? So it's the same problem. South Alabama might have a few pieces scattered around the field. Troy has them concentrated on the defensive side of the ball. Louisiana has talent in several places, but also just lost their best ones to the draft and to Florida. So it's a lesser three-team race to me than the East is. And it's, we've talked about it all show, Marshall, Appalachian State, Coastal Carolina are your three powerhouses in this whole conference and are stacked into one division. So who comes out of that? At that point, I'm starting to look at some schedules and trying to figure out who has an easier road. I kind of like Appalachian State out of the East. Um, as much as I love Coastal Carolina's offense, Appalachian State retains a little bit more on that side of the ball, and that's a big, big thing for a group of five school, uh, getting that experience. Big thing for any school, but especially when you don't have the five-star, everybody drools on themselves, looking at them, prospects coming in to replace your veteran guys, right? Um, on the In the West, I, again, I don't know what to – what you're going to get out of Louisiana. I know what I'm going to get out of Troy, which makes me like that situation a little bit more. And we didn't talk about the recruiting class very much. Their top recruit was a running back. Their second highest recruit was a quarterback. Their next couple highest recruits were offensive linemen. So they very clearly retooled that side of the ball. It might be some true freshmen starting and they might start off the year rough. But if you start off the year rough, that means you're losing your non-conference games and you can come back and take the whole thing later. It's not about how you start, it's about how you finish. Exactly. And defense wins championships. All the cliches today. They all apply. I'm going to take Appalachian State versus Troy as your Sun Belt Championship game. I think that is a little bit of a hot take, and I'm okay with it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, I think we both have the same mindset here, though, and that is that the Eastern team is going to win. I've got Coastal Carolina winning this one, winning the conference. Yeah. And uh, who knows? Maybe maybe they'll be the ones supplanting themselves in a New Year's Six Bowl this year. We're going to talk about the – That would be uh, pretty sweet. And we're going to talk about the only other conference that I think really challenges them for that next week. So stay tuned for the American Athletic Conference preview. Yeah, I do have Appalachian State winning. But, it, again, like you're saying – Anybody out of the East probably wins this this year. Unless, for some reason, Michael DeJormo is the best coach of all time and just nails it. Louisiana definitely has the talent to stay up there. But go ahead. I know you want to. Whoa. I don't know why it does Whoa. that, man. It is bracket time. Because you don't believe in yourself. Whoa. That's why. It is bracket with your votes. So that does it for the Sun Belt preview, clearly. Let's see. How uh, next week will be the American Conference. Unfold. So stay tuned for that. What else could we and right do? Now, We're so inspired by, by you. That hasn't happened We're since last bracket, bracket time. time. Oh, man. That's too big. That's... I hate it, and yet I love it so much. Let's go ahead and jump into our first matchup of the day. Of course, we did get your votes on our social media polls. Uh, You can find them, once again, Twitter, 
at BDT football, Instagram, BDT underscore football. And hopefully in the future, we'll have some on Facebook as well. Facebook.com slash BDT football. Um, pretty much think BDT football. You can find us all sorts of places. We even have our own website. Think of that. Uh, first matchup of the day in our stadiums bracket. We have another Memorial Stadium, Texas Memorial Stadium to be exact, up against Ryan Field, one of the more unique stadiums, I would say, in this entire bracket. It was I would definitely the... closer than the name of Texas would make you think. It was, and Texas won even with the uterus that they just put in the, uh, the end zone there. I... Man, <laughs> I don't know why they, they thought that was a good idea. Uh, but, you know, it's it makes sense. Texas has the brand. It's the thing to do in Austin besides being weird. You know, of course, keep <laughs> right. Austin weird is the, the right. big one, right? And, man, look, we've got no, one of their games. weird day. in general. That's <laughs> yeah. the big thing to do. We've got one of their game day traditions in the picture. That's how big this is, is the largest Texas flag at every single home game. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a pretty big tradition, even though we've got a, a few others that we're going to have to bring up at a later date because I don't know how Ryan Field is going to beat it. Ryan Field can't beat it, but at the same time, I love the look of Ryan Field. Honestly, as far as aesthetically pleasing stadiums, Ryan Field is up there as one of my favorites of all time. They don't have the traditions. They don't have the history to really move far in this bracket. And going up against Texas, that's just brutal. But I I wanted to give some love to Ryan Field. Yeah, and I will say, you know, lighting up the clock tower, purple or white, depending on the outcome, that's a pretty cool tradition. Obviously, I I didn't look too much into it, but the losing color has to hurt. Uh, to light it up that color, which they have certainly done uh, several times a year. (laughs) More often than I have the winning color. And uh, of course we have natural grass there at Ryan field and they like to leave it a little long when they got a big opponent coming in, just slow them down just a little bit. They do. And I kind of respect it in a way, you know, play with what you got, you know, (laughs) do whatever you can within the rules. But that is going to move on Texas. Yeah. Daryl K. Royal, Texas Memorial Stadium or Texas Memorial Stadium. As a whole, you saw on the brackets there. A whole big name. Why not? Um, next matchup of the day, we do have Lane Stadium up against Boone Pickens Stadium. Which Virginia I Tech promise Oklahoma State. I promise my typo was completely unintentional. I did not mean to call it Lane Stadium. Um <laughs> But it happened, and that's unfortunately what we're stuck with. So I apologize to Virginia Tech, kind of. Kind of, but, you know, it's not a lame stadium. It's not. It's not. It's uh, – I kind of hate the offset because, you know, you have the the great front with the studio, like, wall on top, and then you just have this sheet of – uh, just bleachers all the way it up is, the other side. It is not aesthetically pleasing, although it, it is one <laughs> hell of a place to play. Enter Sandman being a big thing there makes it yeah. a tough place to play. It's actually like one of the toughest 
places to play consistently on those kind of lists, which is so weird to me. You wouldn't think of it as that, except if you actually play there, it's brutal. I mean, I remember seeing Ohio State go to Virginia Tech and like, wow, this environment is way different than I expected. It's got some real tradition. So does Oklahoma State, though, got to say. And that stadium, that wraparound is it's, it's a kinda, modern bowl. Let's just, let's just say it. Right. You know, bowls aren't that popular, but this is a modern bowl, and this is this is how people are going to do bowl stadiums going forward, I think. It's kind of classic. It's kind of classy, and it kind of looks pretty sweet. And you would have to assume that it would. Uh, Boone Pickens would have given them every drop of oil money imaginable going going after the best facilities. And Boone Pickens did win on our social media polls. I don't know if that sways you at all, but where are you, where are you going to settle down here? It doesn't. You know, the hokey pokey after the third at Lane Stadium, that almost gets me. But then I look at Boone Pickens Stadium, and honestly, I love the facade of the building uh, behind the end zone. It, something about it, and this is not the only stadium like it. I can't think of the others off the top of my head, but something about having a university building there, it – it's obviously yeah. part of the stadium, so it's it's not you know like I, I assume classes don't take place in this building, right? But something like that being the backdrop of one of your end zones reminds you that it's college football and it looks so great at Oklahoma State, yeah. That it, it is tough for me to go against it. Um, we didn't mention this with Ryan Field. This is the last season that they will be playing at Ryan Field and they'll be playing at Wrigley Field. That was even a conversation we had. Do we want to have it be Wrigley Field for Northwestern, or do we want it to be Ryan Field? I know. I just love Ryan Field so much. <laughs> that's that's fair. And as far as Oklahoma State goes, I think they're looking at changing their turf here soon. I know they were yeah. accepting designs. Yeah. That's not as big of a deal. Ohio State changed their turf, too, and it's not like it's changing the shoe. Right. I mean, I don't they're know, not going to do anything I, crazy. I promise you. <laughs> I wish they would though. I wish they Orange would. Field. Orange Field. Blackfield. Blackfield would be awesome. Oh, Blackfield, Blackfield would be brutal in September and noon games. In Oklahoma. Yeah. Oof. <laughs> Shoes melting. <laughs> oh, you mean like they did at Fresno State the other year? Yeah. Man, it is <laughs> it is tough because I do feel like there are more traditions at Lane Stadium. But I, I, I kind of do too. Like you hear about more, but at the same time, Oklahoma State's actually a pretty storied football program in their own right. I don't think this is lopsided either direction. This is an extremely close matchup. I would love to see this game, honestly. Right. But <laughs> you know, social media went with Oklahoma State. I think we ought to as well. I think that I, I'm fine with that. That solidifies the win for Oklahoma State here. Uh, next matchup of the day, talk about a brutal one for Kansas. I don't know if there's a good one for Kansas, but uh, David Booth Kansas Memorial Stadium is up against the freaking Rose Bowl, dude. In, in case anybody was curious who won. Um, yeah. I want to throw this out here. I have no clue when this top Kansas picture was taken because it was earlier this year or, you know, in the middle of last football season that they had to get on the radio and tell people, please come to the game. We're beating Oklahoma right now. 
because they're all of you know a thousand people in the stands and then kansas blew it and they will probably continue to have only a thousand people i will say something uh in kansas defense that is not tradition related having the track around the field i i don't know what it is in college stadiums i absolutely love it i do too it's a real iconic look to a like a traditional american football stadium high schools do it basically every high school does that setup uh and it kind of looks good for kansas i will say but also this is the rose bowl it's the rose bowl and it's the rose bowl where the rose bowl game happens it's a cathedral of college football (laughs) and if you say the words rose bowl everybody legitimately people who never watch college football know what you're talking about, where you're talking about that front facade of that stadium, just standing on street level, looking at the stadium. That is one of the most iconic images of college football in the country. I mean, that is, that's pure. I'm going to start crying here. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> let's not cry on the show let's move on to our next matchup because it's obvious the rose Bowl's moving on here yeah yeah the rose Bowl's beating kansas every day of the week and twice, twice on, on saturday, saturday. <laughs> hey maybe it's gonna be in the big 10 now too that's crazy love it love it love it so much they need to have big 10 title games at the rose bowl that would be so cool or you know the other uh college football cathedral in la we'll talk about that uh, one here in a minute Forget about it. Let's go to the Rose Bowl. Uh, now, the <laughs> the fourth final matchup of this show, we do have Kinnick Stadium from the University of Iowa up against ross Aid Stadium, University of Purdue. Uh, one very cool fact, I always love to bring this up, and we certainly talked about it quite a bit during our Heisman bracket. University of Iowa has the only stadium in the entire country named after a Heisman Trophy winner, Kinnick of course, won our social media polls as well. And I'll lean into this even more because Kinnick is going to get the the nod from me as well. They lean into the Kinnick Stadium name. They lean into Kinnick being a Heisman Trophy winner so much that his Heisman acceptance speech is still played before every game, before the team runs out onto the field at Kinnick Stadium. I mean, this is... Yeah. This was a tough draw for Purdue because if I'm being real... A lot of the things I just said about Oklahoma State, I do like about Purdue Stadium as well. It's a very modern, modernized bowl style, and it actually does look pretty good. But also, it's so new that there's not much going on there. As as compared to a place like Iowa or a place like you know Lane Stadium where they have so many things already in place, and we obviously haven't even talked about the biggest tradition at Kinnick Stadium. Right, right. I don't think we're tipping anything to say this, and I feel like we should probably bring it up every time. But the wave to the Children's Hospital, come on. The world's largest drum simply cannot compete with that. I do like the drum. It's cool. I know a guy who used to be in Purdue's marching band, and you <laughs> got to play that big drum once. Um, very proud of it <laughs> as he should be. That was also in the seventies. So he was in these crazy light bulb 
gig like setups and he was like it was that marching band era was nuts <laughs> i don't know how he survived but <laughs> but he did and ross edge stadium did not survive in our bracket <laughs> yeah kinnick stadium is moving on i think that's certainly fair enough so that's for for social media he did a good job voting this week <laughs> Uh, it's only happened once so far, this bracket, where we've overruled you. Uh, it has been split a couple of times, and we've gone social media's favor. So you can tell social media votes really do impact how the bracket turns out. Um, I think it just happened. We ran into a bunch of Utah fans and not enough uh, representation from the other side because, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> we have some more matchups coming up in the future. Um, make sure to get your votes in because it really does play an impact on how we move along in these brackets. So speaking of our future matchups, you want to run through these? Man, I'll tell you what, the home of the 12th man, Texas A&M University's Kyle Field going against Wake Forest, Truett Field, Truest Field. Uh, That's going to be a rough one for Truest Field, in my opinion. And uh, if you know anything about a game at Kyle Field, you fully understand why. Probably doesn't help that Truist Park is where the Braves play and Truist Field is where Wake Forest plays. That's that's a whole thing. That's the discussion for next week. Right. We also also have the recently remodeled Brigham Young University Lavelle Edwards Stadium going up against Cardinal. Recently renamed Cardinal Stadium. (laughs) For the University of Louisville. Two excellent looking stadiums with vastly different backdrops. Yes. (laughs) And we get another Memorial Stadium because nobody has any creativity in the Midwest, home of the University of Nebraska Cornhuskers, and lots of losses. Uh, They are going up against Huntington Bank Stadium, home of the University of Minnesota Golden Gophers, an outdoor stadium in Minnesota, quite ballsy, and also home to, I think, the coldest NFL game in history. And home of that one coach who was eating a dilly bar on the sideline. Madman. <laughs> In a snowstorm. It was so but, cool. Last but not <laughs> least, we already talked about it. Another cathedral of college football. The Los Angeles Memorial Stadium. I would say called the Coliseum. I would say this is two cathedrals of college football. The Coliseum and Bobby Dodd Stadium, one of the oldest most storied programs in college football. If you know the history of college football, you have to respect Georgia Tech. John Heisman and what he did there, just some – that was revolutionary to the game. And it happened at this field, which the stadium was built around it. So – that matchup is so brutal. That's a first round matchup. The Coliseum versus Bobby Dodd. Man, <laughs> get your votes in because I don't know which way I'm leaning on that. I'm not even kidding. Man, it's uh, this episode we thought would take about 45 minutes. We're, we're pushing up on an hour and a half. So much dude, happened today, though, dude. Today, this is unreal. If we had gone yesterday, this episode would have been 45 minutes. Yeah, but now we like got the, USC and UCLA. That FCF unreal. News, 
popped up on my phone as I hit live. Right. Like that is how crazy some of the stuff's going on. So if you're not paying attention, you'll miss it. And that's well, and Deshaun Watson stuff is changing by the hour, it feels yes. like as these hearings are happening. So everything is going on at a breakneck pace. We know it's the off season. At the same time, the news is on. So stay tuned. Big dudes in the trenches. We have more shows coming at you. Make sure you come back next week for a preview of the American Conference. And we're getting very close to starting some NFL previews as well. So that'd be two previews per episode, a division of the NFL, a conference of college football. Might have some surprises along the way. We'll talk about that as we get towards it. Um, The bracket, of course, keeping it going. Power 5 plus 5 stadiums. That's the Power 5 plus the teams that are about to be Power 5 and plus Notre Dame. Uh, Huge, huge bracket. So please get your votes in. Thank you so much for the engagement so far. Some great turnout on the polls. Uh, Make sure you check out social medias to be able to do that. I already gave you those links. If you want to see them again, you can either watch us live, scrolling along the bottom of the screen, or you can go to the description of the podcast if you're listening to us via audio. And uh, also, if you are so inclined, we would greatly appreciate you check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash bdtfootball. Join our Discord, get some access to the BDT Trench ratings. We are in talks to develop that for the nfl as well that would be pretty significant be be pretty interesting we'll see we're also talking about doing some uh some extra content doing some fantasy football expectations but we need to know that people are interested because right we all have day jobs unfortunately (laughs) right so if you want to Help us out and point us in the right direction. Just hit us up on any of our social medias, on any of our you know, website, email address, Patreon. Thank you so much. And uh, I think that's all we got. Yeah, William, I just want to say thank you for uh, for tuning in. And I hope ODU has a good season. Um We've talked about it on this show. The move from Conference USA to the Sun Belt is huge for right. them, uh, but unfortunately, it's it's going to be a rough couple of years in our estimation. But you never know. You never At the same know, time. I I really like Ricky Rain. I think he's actually been a great coach, and I had no faith in him when he was hired. So I don't know if that's just my ignorance about Old Dominion, but Ricky Rain to me didn't seem to fit at the time. And then boom, they made a bowl game. So that's wild. I didn't expect that last year. <laughs> it is uh it's gonna be a rough run for him. <clears throat> yeah. Hopefully, hopefully they can get back up to that six wins again, get back to another bowl game. That feels like uh such a low bar when we're talking about you know Appalachian State, Coastal Carolina, but at the same time, Old Dominion didn't exist for such a long time. It's kind of crazy we're having this conversation at all. So that's yeah, uh that's college football. I, I remember remember reading it i was looking this up with you actually we were talking about who the head coach is and like that conversation that whole history there's only been three head coaches in the history of old dominion football one was from 1930 to 1940 and then we had 2007 to 2019 <laughs> it's like wow old dominion 
glad you exist. That's fun. Good for you. <laughs> it feels condescending, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I need to get out of here before I dig myself into a deeper hole. Thank you for tuning <laughs> in, William. Yeah, and thank you to everybody else that tuned in. Thank you to everybody that's listening to us on the audio version. Uh, you didn't think you were getting out of here without a dad joke, did you? I I hope not. You know, I, I still have a day job, but I got fired from my old job because I kept asking my customers whether they would prefer smoking or non-smoking. Apparently, the correct terms are cremated or buried. <laughs> got them. I like that. I like that one quite a bit. Uh, before we go, though... As crazy as today is, it it just keeps getting crazier. It is now official. The Pac-12 and Big Ten have both come out and said USC and UCLA is joining the Big Ten in 2024. Oh, my God. That is official. <laughs> oh, God. Are we doing Tug's thing? We got to get out of here before new, more news drops. <laughs> we got to go now, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Peace out, Girl Scout. We'll see y'all next week.